Welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business Podcast, where we explore the game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance and well-being in the workplace. If you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business, if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber, and if you want to be part of a revolution in human potential, then join us to discover the powerful resource that lives before our psychology Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. So today we've got another lovely conversation lined up with a new guest to the show. And he's got a few different dimensions and aspects to him, which we're going to get into. But primarily he's here because he's the director of the Leaders Council. Um, and he's going to tell you all about that. So, Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Happy to, happy to be here. Um, so, Craig, can you tell people a little, just a nutshell, succinct bit of your background culminating in the how come we're talking? And then there's lots to dive into. Yeah, good question. From quite a young age, shortly after university, I found myself running running a business. Um, I'm now running my second business, not solely. I've got a, a few colleagues, but I found myself drawn towards leadership positions. And I feel that over the last six or seven years, which is when I've got into approaches similar to the before psychology approach that, that, that you champion. Um, I found I've moved basically from a position of very high stress and chaotic uh, way of doing business where doing lots and lots of different things, but not necessarily achieving that much to a situation now, which I, I feel like I'm achieving a lot more, but a lot less stressed and well, not particularly stressed at all, I, I would say. And, and just before we dive into all the aspects of you, just say a little bit about the Leaders' Council, just to give you some context, what, what that does. Yeah, so the Leaders' Council um, is a membership organisation set up to represent business leaders from across the country. So all, all of our members are people who run businesses or organisations of some sort in pretty much every single sector. They're mostly uh, small and medium-sized businesses and uh, we bring them together in a number of different ways support them in any way we can and connect them with each other basically give them as many resources as much support um as we can and it comes from that idea of, of realizing just how difficult it can be to run an organization yeah and and i i've had the pleasure of you come and talk to your group so um you've definitely got some people in there who are fertile and uh, curious about learning all things leadership and, and you're right i think it's it's a, it can be a lonely it can feel like a lonely position leadership can't it so and you, you've been there done it and now you're helping people so and i think what i'd love to talk about on, the, on this podcast was well, a few things i'd love to talk about but um is how for something like leadership which whether you're leading a huge multinational or, or kind of just a few people or, or even leading yourself <laughs> um it, it, you know, it's a wide old word, leadership, isn't it? What the benefit of seeing the understanding that I talk about with quality of mind, non-duality before psychology, what what that brings to it. And I'd love to see that from your own lens and also what you think it brings to the world of leadership in, in general. C could we start with a little bit about what got you interested initially? What got you curious? What started resonating with you when you started seeing um, the understanding of before psychology and, and quality of mind and non-duality. Yeah, so uh, I got into it um, in, in my mid-20s, basically. Uh, up until that point, um, I'd been very 
uh, motivated by very high ambitions. Um, always had uh, real goals um, in terms of what I wanted to achieve. Um, partly that was, uh, or a big part of that was in um, writing, uh, which is something we'll, we'll probably get onto later. Uh, but I was, I was basically at the same time running uh, a business uh, that was growing quickly, but uh, you know, bringing on new challenges um, every day. And I was also uh, writing alongside that. So I was probably doing about, you know, working about 60 hours a week while also socializing pretty heavily, um, not sleeping very much, uh, you know, bad diet, poor exercise, all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it, it really came to uh, to a head um, at a certain point where I, I, I barely slept for about a, about you know the best part of a month really um ended up having um a bit of a mental breakdown uh, um, and within that breakdown i had you know it was, it was a um what's called a, a psychotic episode and um obviously a lot of what i was experiencing that in that time was totally um you know yeah i, I was experiencing a lot, i was coming to um I was having a lot of thoughts that didn't quite make sense, but throughout that, there was some element I felt that that was new or, or was true in some way. It was, it, there was something there that I, I basically was able to see the world in a different way, and it felt like you know there. Basically, it was, it was a few months afterwards when I'd you know got back to sleeping well, recovered, was was almost back to seeing the world in what you'd call a normal way again. That I started to reassess what I'd gone through and realized that it was perhaps pointing towards something that did have some sort of sense to it. And um, it was at that time that I started getting into meditation um, and the two, the, the experience I'd had through the mental breakdown, plus some of the insights I was getting to meditation kind of over the next few years came together to basically point me towards a, non-dual understanding of the world if you like if that if that makes any sense mm. well, well it does um and thank you for showing that um and i think just to reassure listeners that well, what we do with our work is <clears throat> we help people have that awakening without having to go through the mm. kind of traumatic experience that you did um but it often does occur to people via some kind of rupture um in, in life and, and the system always says i've had enough someone presses control out delete on you to use the it metaphor yeah. and and it you know it, it sent you somewhere different for a month or so um but then you then you restore back you you, you phoenix back and uh, i suppose the the beautiful outcome of that is that you now see the world in a different way and it sounds like your relationship to the world let alone stress resilience and creativity is, is dramatically different is that right Yes, absolutely. So it, it was on um when when you've gone through something like that and it wasn't all weirdly, it wasn't all traumatic. There was there was a height there was a moment of it where it was just pure euphoria in terms of the experience, which is it's apparently quite common. Um but after that in the recovery, all all you want to do is get back to normal in, in quotation marks. Um and so that was the aim and you know, I, I just wanted to get back to a normal um, perception of the world, which I which I largely did. And, um, you know, meditation within that was just kind of a way of calming down the mind, relaxing and, and all, all the rest of it. And there was a, a few years afterwards that I began to, again, see the world in a different way. But this time it was just 
you know much it was in, it was i saw it in a different way and yet the stability that i had on my own experience was strengthened rather than previously i'd, I'd lost all the stability you know and and my experience with had just gone into a totally unstable um chaotic way of being this time you know i, I saw the world in a different way but but it was peaceful it was calm it was it was a normal it, it was not normal but it was a nice pleasant mm. experience that that could persist and, and and how is that <laughs> and we'll get into your writing and running later mm. but how has that turned up for you in the world of work how how what's the, what are the sort of benefits that you know you, you could sort of tangibly describe yeah well the biggest benefit i think is um not um putting not not attributing everything that i do to me in in the way that i that i used to do um you know when when an idea comes to me for you know for the business um to just you know see if that idea works um objectively without any without any personalization without feeling like it's my idea and therefore <clears throat> and therefore i'm attached to it um i i may i'm much more able to yeah to to let ideas have their own lives um and um in in my general work day if i've got a because i you know one of the things i do regularly for the leaders council is host um events and that that can involve giving speeches that can involve you know a lot of public speaking um and I've just I found that there's a lot less nerves, a lot less stress beforehand. Uh, I, I I I realize now you can get to if, if you've prepared a speech, if you know what you're going to say, and, and you turn up and you know you're in front of a room, you can just let the words come, and they pretty much always do, mm. you know, and you just let them flow through you, um, and it's just a much more every any um experience like that that would normally be high stress is just a lot more pleasant yeah so you're I, and you're experiencing less stress in your life generally as, as well as work yes definitely yeah definitely and and you're because because some people might go well okay that sounds great but are you still as inspired and as motivated and energized to do stuff in the world or are you just you know taking your foot off the gas everywhere um yeah no i weirdly um I'm no less uh, motivated than I used to be, but it it's just seems like a much healthier motivation. Um, mm. I, I I am able to take my foot off the gas more than I was, and that means resting more, relax a lot more than I I did before. But I mean, I think I'm absolutely getting a lot more done than, right. I, than I ever have. Yeah. So if you take that 60 hour a week version of you and this, yeah. this, this other version of you now that probably doesn't work 60 hours a week because it takes more care of itself, who's creating more value for the world? Oh yeah, definitely the, the, yeah. the version of me now. Yeah. So there's this lovely less is more that sort of turns up, which people, I think it's when you're in strive mode, if someone had told you that, would you have listened and said, Oh, you, you know what? There's a way of operating in the world where you could probably work half the hours, have half the stress, and be more impactful and value to the world. Would you have listened? Um, I mean, I'd I'd have liked the idea of it, and I may have tried <laughs> to, but um, yeah, I don't think it would have. I, I don't think it would have been in, something that the the person I was six seven years ago would have been able to grasp. Mm. No, and, and that's what I find fascinating about this work is. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have some really nice testimonial videos, and people will say amazing things, and I think some people just listen to them and go, "Well, that's too good to be true." That they're a one off. You know, even though I've got right. more than one video, you know, <laughs> they must all be one-offs. I'm like, no, they're just normal people. But it is, it's, it's almost something you can't see until you see it. Would, would, yes. you, would you agree with that? 
Yes, and um, yeah, and and the the odd the odd thing is when you do see it, it's so obvious. It's mm. uh, you know, um, but uh, but yeah, it's hard to. It, there are elements where it's hard to put myself back in the mind of who I was five or six years ago because I I feel like the the experience the, the way that I used to experience the world is so different from how it is now that it, it is hard to to go back there mentally yeah yes and you know I'm not going to go into a full chapter and verse on this episode about what the understanding is although there are episodes mm. that would do that but we'll, we'll give just a little little nutshell of it for people who might be sort of new so you know what are we talking about and saying when we say we see the world differently well what is it that happened to you those years ago when you sort of um came back round i mean how how would you describe um <laughs> i'm going to ask you to try and be succinct <laughs> and brief on something which is completely ineffable here craig so yeah uh, i'm setting you up for a complete fall um but uh, <laughs> just, just give it uh, you know a minute or two to, to describe what you mean when you say you see what what is his understanding that we're talking about for, for, imagine if someone's is, is new to this and not a regular listener yeah so let me i'll try by by saying how it felt um in the midst of of psychosis if you like um yeah which which was basically to, to you know to cut a long story short short at, at the height of of it um you know so, um, um, uh, mania experience um you know i basically thought that i had saved the world um in in a in not in some speculative way but i literally thought that that's what had happened mm. so you know i i felt as extremely happy as you can imagine um and what happened at this point was just this utter like the the experience of elation that is just so surpasses um any experience of happiness i've felt before or since really it's all i almost try and say it's you know like if, if you're in a football ground and experience a goal going in it's as though you're experiencing the happiness of everybody in the stadium all at once right um, it, it was it was that intense um and I think it only lasted for a, a, a few minutes. It, I I don't know, but it I mean it, it felt like it was lasting for hours. Um, but but in that moment, all I was feeling was was happiness, and um, you know there there was no sense of me being there. It was it was just the pure happiness, and that you know it, it that that was that's quite intense. And and there was you know in in the midst of that, there was no sense of you know if I I wouldn't know you know my name or how old I was or where I was. It was just this sense of pure happiness. Um, but although that's in an incredibly intense, incredibly extreme emotion, I found now, you know, that is kind of what happens. I mean, that is what happens with almost every emotion you feel. Um, even, you know, when, when you, if you really go into um, what an experience is like, um, you know, if you are just outside and, and you close your eyes and you feel sun on your face or something, you are in that moment feeling that and that is it and you aren't when you're feeling the sun on your face you aren't you know yeah you i'm not craig wilman i'm not the mm. director of a company i'm not a writer or anything i'm just that feeling of of um warmth and and light um but not even called warmth from light that you know they're also yeah. just la labels we put to it so in incre increasingly you know life is, is is just that you realize that it's a it's a sense of it's um you know a, a one emotion followed by the next emotion followed by the next emotion followed by the next emotion and actually there is no space for 
you as an individual in that um it's almost that's how we just look back and make sense yeah of the world um and, and yeah and, and and you know you can just increasingly let that sense of you go and just just experience one emotion after after next. yeah I, th- I think it's a neat way of sort of describing it because you know i sometimes point people to see well there's just at, at the there's just the isness of what is right it's just yeah. you know you could call it raw perception raw sensation so there's just as you say if you're outside and and there's a you shut your eyes you could you know you might feel warmth and light but you you'd have to use language to describe mm. that but there's no experiencer of that there's no craig or peers experiencing that in that moment there's just the isness and then that can flow from one isness to the next isness um it's almost like if you imagine as a mobile phone you can toggle options on and off it's just like well i'm putting sensation only mode on or perception only mode on i'm turning self off i'm turning narrative yeah. off i'm turning meaning off I'm turning the experiencer off, you know, it's just raw isness. And that has an intelligence to it, doesn't it? So it's not, it's not so because we believe, well, I need the me to come in and direct life or to control life or or to know how to shoot the ball into the football net, you know, but football net goal. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as Ayrton Senna used to say, you know, God's driving. So actually, when people are really in flow, whether that's in sport or music or work. There is no me. We lose ourselves. And what you did in your extreme experience was lost yourself big time, mm. um, if you want to call it that. And and now you're coming back and just saying, actually, I don't need that self to turn up, to boss life around. And, and you know, and because in that isness, it takes care of itself. Uh, now, the appearance of me will happen, right? And that's useful and utilitarian. But when we realize it's not what we truly are, that's the big shift. I think that that's the awakening that, um, you know, we point people to in quality of mind um, through self-inquiry. Um, and then you start to see, well, okay, so there's appearance of, of, a, of a Craig and appears, but it's not the foundation of what I am. It doesn't need to control, seek and protect the world. Um, it's just a thought really. Um, and it doesn't need to keep self-referencing itself and do things like that. And then you just get this ease so i think um yeah and then again that can sound very profound and abstract and non-useful but then if you see how it turns up it brings what we were saying earlier it brings all this this expression into the world um in in whatever form is being flavored and curated by your conditioning so if 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 you're a footballer then you'll be you'll be even better at football or if you're a florist, you're even better at floristry. If you're a writer, which you were and are, you'll be even better at that. Um, so it seems to turn up in a personal way, this, this wonderfulness rather, you know, and brings into the world more of your own flavor, but at the same time, it's not you. So that, that that's almost the paradox. Of some people, isn't it? It's like, well, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm going to be even better at what I do, but it doesn't feel like me doing it. Um, can, can you say a bit more like that when it comes to maybe your 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 writing or or, or any aspect of life? Can you say a bit more about that, the sort of the impersonal nature of your creative brilliance? Um, yeah, not necessarily. I wouldn't use the term brilliance necessarily. I, I thought you wouldn't like that, but I'll, <laughs> I'll chuck it in there because I have listened 
and uh, looked at some of your your work, and I think it's excellent. So I'll, I'll use that word. You don't have to use that word. Thank you. It's kind of to say, but um, yeah, it that is an odd um uh, contradiction there, but it it does. It, it's also one that works fine, which is um, yeah. But if if you're a if you're a writer, then I think any any writer listening to this would would appreciate that when you come up with a good line you know, a you know, short sentence, snappy sentence, whatever it is that, that you know, what, the, the first moment you you get that line, it's no different to hearing somebody else say it or, or reading it in a book. The, the first instinct, when, when a good line comes to you, often you, you'll say, oh, that's good. You'll be like, yes, that's great. You know, uh, and, and this is a line that allegedly you have written, but you are experiencing in it exactly the same way as you would if you'd read it in a book or, or heard it um, on a film. And it really is no different to somebody whispering it into your ear. Um, and when you're in a flow as a writer, you can have, you know, it, it tends to not, I, I found, you know, it, it can last for maybe an hour at most, um, which is, but, but you can spend an hour where you are just writing and, and the stuff, the, the words are just coming out of you. And, and you're almost, you can prove it because you will be typing sometimes quicker than it than you can hear the words so mm. the, the the moment you hear the word in your mind is it is the same moment that you are typing it onto the laptop so really it, it's it's a sense you're, you're writing as quickly as you would be if you were dictating somebody else's speech and when you actually stop and and, and realize what's going on there it really is no different to dictating somebody else's speech mm. it's just it's just words that are flowing through you and coming out um and you know you you can you later of course you, you might edit those cut cut them down them down rearrange them whatever but it's coming from somewhere and and of course you know people will say that that somewhere is within your mind and yeah that that's that's true but it it's not it, it it's different from you as a that you you'll see that there isn't a individual singular you just painstakingly writing this stuff it is a flow of creativity that's that's coming through you and you are more of a i think that's what you know people have used the term scribe more than the writer you're a scribe mm. writing down words that you hear um and if that means that you feel you know you feel less attachment to them when they're on the page and and less sense of this is me who did that that that, that may be the case but that i don't think that's a bad thing at all yeah no, absolutely. So that they're kind of impersonal. There's an impersonal intelligence, isn't there? Even though it's coming out of the individual form. But yeah, yeah. And I think if we translate that across to leadership, so if you know, in the business world, when you think about leading a team, and you get that sense of just win behind the sails of the team, and it's not like you, the leader, authoritarianly, you know, creating everyone else's empowerment and brilliance mm -hmm. it feels like you're just shepherding you're, you're facilitating you're a pointer if that um so the equivalent of your scribe where when you have a meeting or a conversation you, you come out of the room and you feel like there's an energy in there that is bigger than all of you individually but there's a synergy to it and that's that's what the word synergy is isn't it two plus two equals five it's like what we, we've we've harnessed something greater than ourselves and and that i think is the secret source for businesses you know when you can do that um, mm. And you understand what it is, 
because I think some people's egos then own that and go, well, I'm really good at that. Well, actually you're mm. really good at that because you get out of your own way, not because you think you're really good at it. So um, <laughs> that's where the humility comes in. So, and it's like that in life. It, it really isn't it where, where you start to see actually when I get out of my own way, to use that phrase, and I see that there's something bigger than the individual, that's where the magic happens. Yes, definitely. And that is when um, uh, uh, being director of the Leaders Council, I've spoken to a lot of people who've run organizations and you can tell you know, immediately who the, the the good leaders are because they're the ones who will talk about their team and about the people that they, you know, have, have um, given platforms to and, and given the possibilities of... Um, yeah, given the uh, freedom to to ex- explore their own potential, and and they'll talk about facilitating a team, um, and um, r- rather than about their own achievements, and or when they do talk about themselves and their achievements, a thing that they will always um, mention is is trusting their gut or trusting their instinct, right. and that's the same thing, really. Is, is that you know, th- th- there's three or four different decisions to take, and one just feels right, and they find that normally the the where, when things go right it's because they've listened to that and yeah. if, if they if, you know if, if you then in retrospect consider what that was you know it's hard to you know if you're listening to your gut which is an in, an instinct then to what extent is that instinct you because that because you haven't arrived at that with like you know with painstaking decision making after months of, of thinking it over you you know you have listened yeah. to a part of you that you don't really understand and that, that you didn't author in any way. Um, and yet that, that is what a lot of leaders, um, entrepreneurs have built their whole careers out of is, um, you know, and that's interesting. That. You put the word entrepreneur in there. Cause I think that's why some people stay as entrepreneur rather than go corporate, because what you've just described, they're going with the gut flies in the face of many corporate cultures where you need to rationalize or legitimize your gut feel with a load of analysis and, and, mm you know, information, which kind of squishes that. So, I mean, I, I work with small organizations and big ones and the, and the big ones are always saying, well, I can't really use that gut because someone's going to say, well, prove that or give me some research or whatever. Now you could, you could backfill it. You could go and find it, but it kind of loses the moment. So corporate cultures, I think are, that's why entrepreneurs can disrupt much faster than corporate cultures can evolve. Um, so that's something for wider leadership to look at. And also one thing I wanted to point to, and we chatted about this before we press record a little bit, was that, oh, you know, I always give credit to the team and all that kind of what might look like egoless leadership. I think there's a really big difference between people who have learned that's a good thing to do and say behaviorally, and then people who truly see what you and I are referencing, which is there is no self. Right. Mm. So it's not just a little, ah, I, I know what's good. It's good to say, well done, team. You're all great. You know, it's not me really, but you still think there's a you self that is going on. Cause I think there's a authenticity, a, a purity, a, a power that comes from truly seeing there's no self as opposed to all oh, behaviorally. It's a good thing to, to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Leaders, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, I, I often do that thing where I tell it, say it's everyone else's idea. But but how authentic is that, you know, and, and that sense of humility and 
Um, and how do you really, how much do you really go with that gut? How often do you, do you actually allow it to fly? Even when your thinking mind might then come in with all the goings, well, if I do that, it could go wrong, you know, blah, blah, blah. How much do you then talk yourself out of it? I think that's a, that's a good test of, uh, whether you think there's still a self that needs protecting. Um, okay. So let's just m moving it across a little, because there's a couple of things I want to talk about in, in how it's turned up for you. Well, one is this lovely, um, writing project that you're doing at the moment where you're producing a short story, 52 of them, mm. um, one a week, um, with the, with the nice charitable aim that if that, if you hit a thousand subscribers, then your friends are going to give a thousand pounds to Alzheimer's. Is it Alzheimer's research? Yes. Yeah. Uh, dementia research. Um, and I, I've had the pleasure of listening to some of these already. Um, and as we speak now, there's only in uh, April 23, there's only about five or six out, but but they're really excellent. I really enjoy listening to them. Um, can you can you say a bit more about how that's turned up from this understanding of non-duality and before psychology? Yes, uh, definitely. So uh, the, the podcast itself is called Meaningless Problems, um, if anyone's interested. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I've been writing as long as i can read really uh but but always with a sense of um well uh, until very recently i've had the sense of i don't want to put anything out into the world until it is perfect you know, or until it is you know been drafted 10 times and, and really edited really tested with you know a lot of readers and and everything and so i i was really it, it you know I, I saw that as a sense of quality and i think it, it's the way a lot of writers do it and i and there is a there's certainly a logic to it that that you know you 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 really want to make sure that it's great before you you put it out into the world um but the trouble with that is you know it can take you two or three as it was taking me two or three years to write a single play um and i spent you know, two years writing a novel um and yeah, I just got to the point where as I was writing this novel, I had lots of little other ideas, which for potential short stories or potential other things, and they were all building up, but I wasn't having the time to actually work on them. And yeah, I just got to the point where I thought, right, I need to stop asking for permission now. I, I need to just mm. get some stuff out there and allow it to be whatever it will be. Um you know, I say in the introduction to the podcast that some of these short stories will be uh, comedy, some will be more serious and some will be rubbish. And, you know, I, I've, I've made my peace with that, basically, that I'm, as we discussed earlier, when I write these things, I get into a, a flow state as much as possible, let the words come, write a draft of them, and then, you know, I'll edit you know, a few days later. And basically, that's it. I've got I've got two friends who listen to I do a recording and they listen to them in advance, give me some thoughts. And then shortly after that, I put it out and it's, and it's just this, it's a much more raw and it's, and it's much more just, this is what's come into my mind. Now let's see if anyone else is interested in it or if it, if it uh, resonates with anybody else. And if it does, that's interesting. And if it doesn't, then that's also interesting. Um, yeah. And just detaching myself from it. There's a real basically. freedom for you in that now. You're just putting it out there. Um, yeah yeah and what what i'm fascinated to see is um let's say you know half of the year when you're kind of you know 
20 or 30 down, you've got 20 to go. Cause that's when you, you're really going to um, be able to go purely fresh, fresh, fresh. I mean, you're probably already doing that, but maybe you had a few ideas to get you started, but you're going to have to just go really fresh and, and cause the hard drive will be empty of ideas. So then you can really see what's available for you in new things that just pop up. Yeah. Uh, and you put through this, 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 um, but very simple, you know, quick process to get them out there. So that that's going to be uh, really interesting. Now, is is that how it looks to you, or are you thinking, oh my god, what am I going to do when I run out of my ideas? <laughs> or are you looking forward to that bit? No, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's it's partly the reason that I did it is is yeah to have just to have that challenge and to yeah. you you set like we've discussed when you realise that it isn't you doing this yeah th- then by declaring publicly like I did, but, but yeah, you know, I've told pretty much everybody I know about this podcast and I've, I'm, I'm now there, you know, there's a recorded record of me saying I'm going to do this every <laughs> week for a year. Yeah. So it's kind of setting a challenge to whatever that creative force is that it, it will just have to, when the time comes, yeah. perform. You Brilliant. Know? Yeah. And, and there's also something about the name, which um, we, we spoke about earlier, um, meaningless problems, which I think once people understand the non-dual perspective that has a different take on it so what i loved about that name knowing your your grounding is i'm like ah okay so just pointing to the fact that i as i would describe it in quality of mind language everything we experience and perceive think really is real but never true right so all these things we bang into in life at one level are problems but they that they're made up by the mind and they will look very real, very real and very true until we had the realization and they dissolve. And we're like, oh, that isn't really an issue. Right. So I, I really like the name of that. And I, I know you haven't started off on explaining what that is, but I think it sounds like you're going to end up sort of pointing people gently to see that for themselves, which is another wonderful thing the podcast series is going to do. Yes. And yeah, it is at, at the moment pointing people. And I think it will always point gently towards this understanding. Um because I think you could certainly the the opening the six out at the moment um, you could listen to them without really getting any sense that they were pointing towards this this sort of before psychology non dual um, understanding, but th- there are subtle clues in there. Um, for mm-hmm. instance, one of the devices I use is to uh, I think in the first episode to, the, the narrator says I am the voice in Kevin's head and he does it from the point of view of this voice in Kevin's head. And so I, I think most people will just think of that as like a, you know, frivolous narrative technique, but it's, it's asked a question there. What, what does that mean? What is, yeah. what is the voice inside yes. a person's head? You know? Yes. And I, I noticed that and I thought, Oh yes, I can see where he might be going here. <laughs> <laughs> so I would urge listeners to, to subscribe, not just listen, because you need to subscribe to get your thousands, which I think yeah. will hit easily, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a podcast marketer. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, you should. Um, but they're, they're really good. So I'll, I'll put the, the link in the show notes um, for, for people to, to dive into that. And, and they're, they're, they're easy to listen. They're short. They're, they're, they're lovely little, little, little escapism. So um, I'd recommend that. Um, and then the last thing, well, the other thing I want to talk to you about, Craig, was you, you're you also a, a bit of a long distance runner. Uh, I've seen photos of you doing marathons, wearing all sorts of interesting costumes. <laughs> and I'd love to see how your understanding of um, before psychology has influenced your running. Yes, um, in a really, really big way. Um, yeah, I mean, this is something I have got into running about six years ago. 
and yeah short it wasn't long after the big incident um that i discussed earlier um and at first you know a bit like with the meditation at first it was just doing something that is good for you so you know you, you do it for that reason but um as we've discussed with with writing or with leadership or with anything when you're running it's not really you that's doing the running um an interesting uh way to realize that is if you go for a, a jog with somebody else or even even just walk side by side with somebody else um and you have a conversation you'll realize that you you are just walking at the same speed or or jogging at the same speed without paying any attention to it so and neither of you is paying attention to it so some there's something there that has connected the two of you together and and you are now moving in tandem without any effort to to do that whatsoever because if if you if that if that force wasn't acting of its own accord and you had to deliberately time your pace to be identical with somebody it would it would be much harder but but anyway um when yeah when you get into that flow state again um and and exercise is a really e- i think probably the easiest way to get into a flow state if if someone's you know, not used to to being in a in a state where they can just disappear and 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 the activity can take over i think exercise particularly strenuous exercise is a great way to do that um but yeah you realize you can just dial up the intensity and basically feel pain without identifying with the pain mm. um and you know you 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 then you know if you if you're pushing yourself and you can feel your muscles tensing and you can feel the heat rising or whatever but you're not for thinking this you're not labeling it this is an unpleasant experience this is something i need to get away from um and you're just allowing the experience to be felt in its own right and just going with it then you can push your body to some pretty you know unexpected um uh levels and uh, basically that's what I, I found and i've just increasingly got into got into it and and pushed myself to go you know further and faster um over the years and um and yeah just it's just you, you it, it's like a lab experiment in a way you're just finding out what this body that you mm. happen to have is capable of yeah it, it's like almost you're just you know back to what we were saying earlier about you're just feeling the sensation without the narrative yeah right so there's just the isness of the ground your the, the thing that looks like the ground the thing that looks like your legs and body the thing that looks like, like your heart or feels like your heart you know and that's just sensation you're able to do that without buying into the narrative of suffering mm. um you know and, and the very simple way i put it for anything in life is it all all suffering mild or major comes from resistance or resistance comes from self-identification so if you're running without craig having to do the running and push mm. same as if you're writing with Craig without having to come up with all the ideas and, you know, right. If you're leading without, you know, Craig coming out, you know, y- you're going to have more flow. So it's seeing this in all different aspects of life and work, isn't it? Um, and we've talked just today about two or three, you know, the, the leading, the, the writing and the running. Um, but it's, it's everything. So it's it's great. And I love the phrase you said, it's an experiment, really. You're just seeing what happens <laughs> both with the writing and the running. You're just saying, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Let's just do say stuff like I do fifty-two things in over a year, or I run a. What was it? What was it? I think you did a marathon wearing a. What kind of suit were you wearing? And some kind of. Um, I've done three three marathons now, and yeah, the latest one, the last London marathon, I did dressed as an elephant. Um, 
for Alzheimer's research. Um, yeah, I had a bit of an, in- I-, I was pushing myself to, to, to get a, a good time. And I ended up getting an injury about a month, well, about six weeks before the run for the race, which, which meant I, I just wasn't going to be able to beat my previous time. So yeah. I what decided... your elephant time? Have you already got? No, a... no, 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 no. My pre, my time as a, as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I thought um, I'll just, if, if I can't run it fast, I'll do it as an elephant. That's right. the idea. And is it a lot harder doing it as an elephant? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah to, uh, yeah even though you're going at a, a slower speed yeah it's, it's it's much harder um it was pretty horrible but again you know it, why, why does kind of it doesn't really matter you just you just experience uh <laughs> brilliant difficulty and get on with it yeah brilliant so coming towards the end of time craig is there anything you'd want to a leaving thought or anything to put a bow on this um yeah i mean i suppose oh, and you you touched on it that um you know, often a, it, it could take a bad experience to get you to to this understanding. And as as you said, it, it's certainly not um, obligatory. You can, you can get there without mm-hmm. one. But um, yeah, I, I I I would certainly say if anyone yeah you know, to 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 lean on on that that within what can be seen to be a really really negative um, time in your life or or a negative mindset that you can you can go into. Um, or p- perhaps, you know, I, I know of people who've got their fire, um, you know, f- uh, depression um, has, has been quite a, a way in, in for some people um, that, you know, the the negative events or negative uh, ways of thinking about the world can often weirdly be a, a doorway into something really, really positive. Yeah. And, and I think it's the system trying to wake us up. I, I really yeah. do think that. Um and for a lot of people, we become sort of comfortably, slowly, gently numb. And actually, there's nothing, you know, that we've noticed that's been numbing us down because it's happened so gradually. Um, maybe we just gently lost mojo or or we just think life's just a bit blah, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a bit hard sometimes and it's easy other times. And and sadly people like that are sometimes the, the the last to wake up because almost when you've had the, the extreme experience you had that's a big wake up call and you're like wow like you know i'm going to surrender to the system now because i don't know what else to do um so there's a whole bunch of us you know where we're just sort of in the middle of life if you want to call it and to me it's about how do we democratize what we point to in non-duality and de-esoterify it and, and not make it all woo-woo and some kind of spiritual path thing. How to make it easy, elegant, um, and simple. Mm. Um, it's not always easy to start with, but simple way to see what we truly are and to get through this mistaken identity of being the self um, and, and how we self-identify with that. And that's what I'm trying to do. And my colleagues with, with quality of mind, where we're trying to democratize seeing what you've seen, waking up without having necessarily to go through some of the things that we might extremes in life um, through self-inquiry. Um, but as you say, if you have had some tough times then you can also see it, you know, so, cause it's, it feels like it's the best kept secret um, because, you know, as you've described today, just a few ways of how much difference it's made to your life and, and that, how that's going to help everyone else as well, because it, it has a ripple effect, doesn't it? um in the in the way we show up so uh, thank you so much for coming on here and 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 you know being being real and true and sharing 
what you see. And I'll, as I say, put in the show notes where people can contact you and, and listeners, please do um, have a listen to what uh, Craig's producing in his podcast because it's really good and uh, press that subscribe button and you'll do some good to the wider world as well so craig thank you so much for giving it your time and coming along because i'm sure you've got elephant costume to wear or a, or a <laughs> podcast to write or something <laughs> so so thank you it's been a pleasure thanks so much for, for having me yeah it's been great and listeners as usual have fun being curious and catch you next time If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.